Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. This morning, it's going to be rather simple to a degree this morning, but what I want to share, but you know, often we talk about intentionality. Well, let's, let, me read a, let me read a familiar scripture first. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 in the Amplified. John, I'll put it, you got it up there already. Paul says, May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has. Now that means past tense, right? Am I interpreting that correctly? Who has blessed us in Christ with Every, everybody say every. Every. Every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessing that's in the heavenly realm. If it's in the heavenly realm. Now just really act like you've never heard this before. Just think on this. If it's, well there's nothing in heaven that isn't a blessing. Every, it, it, now again, we, I just want us to ask ourselves the question, do we believe this verse? I mean, should we believe it? I, I would hope everybody in this church would say, yeah, yes, we should. Yeah. Every, it says, we have been blessed in Christ with not some, right? But every spiritual blessing. So I don't care what it is God wants to do for his people. It's been done in Christ. But again, often we have not because we ask not. A lot of people do not have what God has made available again because they've not been taught that it's available. And even then, if they haven't released faith for it, it's still not theirs because, again, the basic truth, remember, whatever grace has made available, faith must obtain. For by grace are you saved through faith. So whatever grace, grace made salvation available to every single person on planet Earth. But they will not be saved until they move by faith towards the truth of Jesus Christ and accept him and receive him. So it is with every promise of God. Do you understand that you need to receive it? You need to vocalize it. We confess unto salvation. Ownership, as it were, possession comes because we set ourselves in agreement with it and we declare it. That's what Romans 10 says. With the heart, man believes, but it's with the mouth confession is made unto that salvation. Remember, salvation is, quote unquote, the all inclusive word of Scripture salvation, deliverance, healing, soundness of mind, all of those things. We need to believe it. And we need to intentionally say, okay, I receive it, right? Now, again, it's so basic. That's basic to all of, all of our faith that we've been taught here. Most of us here have been taught for years. Well, um, then I kept hearing this verse. I kept hearing, you know, don't be found frustrated at the grace of God. You know, and, I, and again, I was just thinking about it. Every, you know, he paid this incredible price for all of these blessings to be upon us, and again, why? Again, you please hear this. He doesn't want you to be magnet. He doesn't want you to be so magnificently blessed that, so that you can tell everybody how blessed you are. He wants the world to know He's real. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can get past the greed thing, get past 
self to actually understand God's people still are to be blessed above all peoples of the earth. That's still in the book everywhere. It's still in the book everywhere. God's people are supposed to be blessed above all the peoples of the earth so that the world might look at them. The whole truth about Israel being saved is because we are to provoke Israel to jealousy. We all know those verses. They are supposed to see the blessings that they studied, that they saw about Abraham. They're supposed to see that in us and go, how come they're receiving what we were supposed to receive back then? You know, all of this, all of this stuff is to provoke the people to seeing we're serving the living God. We're not just going to church. We serve a God who hears us, who speaks to us, who answers us, who manifests himself to us. Jesus came to show us the Father, right? And now, I mean, the phenomenal thing about this whole truth of his prayer in John 17, that we might be one with him and he might be one with us, all of these things. Well, anyhow, where God led me in all this to an unusual place, and he said, I, he, he told me to speak this because it needs to be spoken this aspect of intentionality. I, you've heard us speak often about, you know, we need to be intentional about releasing our faith for things. So this morning I want to talk about one particular area that I don't think many of us really, we've kind of sparred around this topic, but I don't think we've hit it enough. So I just want to, I've got to, I just, anyhow, I want to share. So I want us to turn to Daniel, the first chapter, and I want to look at about Daniel and his three friends. Just for a moment, I just want you to read from verse 17 through 20. Daniel 1, 17 through 20 in the Amplified Bible. I have it here. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge. Who gave them knowledge? God. God. Okay, I just want you to catch this. God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all kinds of visions and dreams. Now at the end of the time, which the king had set for bringing all the young men in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king conversed with them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they were assigned to stand before the king. Now these guys, remember, are basically captives, in a world that's not a God's world, to a degree kind of like we are. I want you to see the parallel. But God had given them knowledge and wisdom to the point that it goes on to say this. Verse 20, and in all matter, all, say all. I'm <clears throat> sorry, but I just have to go through this. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king asked them or which the world wants to know, he found them Ten times better than all the learned magicians and enchanters who were in this whole realm. Ten times. Now, I'm talking about, and I may as well drop punchline now to a degree. I don't know how, if we understand how important it is to begin to release our faith for the wisdom of God, for the anointing to know and understand. I... Why can't we start intentionally start believing as individuals? Because we can. Well, again, go back to Ephesians 1.3. Have we been blessed with every spiritual blessing? Well, 
there's too many scriptures I could go through this morning. Ten times more wisdom than anybody in the world. I kind of think God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said, I kind of think he's the same. God wants us to be blessed. He wants the world to know him, that the world might know that he's God. It says that all over the place. The whole thing he did to Egypt, I want Egypt to know that I'm the only God there is. You know, you could go, the parallels are everywhere. But I want you to catch this, 10 times more wisdom than everybody else in the world. See, in this world right now, without Christ, again, this is something that I could talk about all day. See, we've been brought up to, quote unquote, work according to the world system. The world's educational system, the world's economic system, whatever it is, we live in the world and we've lived in the world so long that almost without knowing it, you know, you simply live according to the standard that the world says you live by. We live the way the world lives because we've been in the world all this time. But the scripture says we're not of this world once we're in Christ. But you've been so trained, I've been so trained, you know, through, like I said, education, school, whatever, you know, you're educated to look into your textbooks, you're educated to assimilate information and to put that information to work. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong about that, but the thing is, slowly but surely, you quit or you don't recognize your need to be dependent upon God. That's all I'm trying to get to. You don't bring God into the equation because you just start doing life the way people do life. This is what you do. You get a job, you go here, and it is true the job becomes your provider when we all know that the job can is never your provider. But if you think it's your provider, it's your provider. And uh, worse than that, if you think it's your provider, then you've ruled God out without even realizing it. God is our provider for everything. God needs to be our provider for the wisdom we need. But we need to be bold to think that I, because I have God, I can expect, if I just like, see, Daniel, you have to look at the character of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, of course you do. And, you know, I don't have time to cover all of that in one, one message. But, you know, Daniel wouldn't bow. We all know that. The three Hebrew children would not bow. They had this consecration to God. But look at the fruit that came from it. Like I said, the fruit was, in this case, like I said, 10 times more wisdom than anyone else in all this kingdom. Basically, if you can see the parallels than anyone else in the world, they had 10 times more wisdom. They had understanding and visions and dreams. All of this because of something called determination. And I'm going to talk about George Washington Carver in a little bit because God, for some reason, led me to him. And I tell you, I, I hadn't studied him in a long time. Amazing. I've got a lot of stuff to read here in a minute. But anyway, so I just want you to catch this. Ten times more wisdom. I'm trying, so what I'm trying to get, the punchline is I want everyone in here to really begin to intentionally say, Father, I'm asking, I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to do my best to be more loyal, more faithful, whatever term you want to use, like Daniel was. 
unafraid of the king's decrees, unafraid of what the world is saying on television, unafraid of what the newscast, unafraid of all that because I choose to fear you. I choose to reverence you. But in the midst of all this, I choose to be one of those that you set apart. That you set apart from the rest of the world by virtue of the wisdom that you will grant me because you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. You withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly before you. I ask you for the wisdom to do great and wonderful things in your name. I ask you for the wisdom to outshine all of my teachers. You know, that's what it says in the Psalm. God gives you more wisdom, more understanding than all of your teachers combined. I thank you that you grant me more wisdom than anybody else in my company, anybody else in my workplace, anyone else whatsoever. I thank you that you give me knowledge of witty inventions. I thank you that you teach me what others don't know, that you show me what you don't show others because I trust you for it. I ask you for it because you want to do it. Because you want to elevate me and everyone who names the name of Christ. You want to elevate us into a position that we are seen to be with God. God is with them. They shall say, God is in them. Listen, they shall say, God is with them. They shall say, God's with this one. Don't you? What a testimony. So, it's like the second Kings. It's like, I'm going to try to read here, otherwise I'll take too long. It's like Elisha, remember when they went up on the mountain, they saw how huge the army was, and his servant got all scared and said, Lord, Lord, what are we going to do? What did he do? He prayed. Elisha prayed for God to do what? Open his eyes. And he did. And again, don't just let that run past you too quickly. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to continue to open our eyes to see ideas and solutions. See, the thing about Jesus is here he walked on the earth. God made flesh. He could see both realms. Can you? Well, you can if you will to. But this is what made him stand out. Jesus operated in two realms. He, he was working here because of God's assignment on him. But he could see what others didn't see. Now, remember? Remember about Jesus? We all know this, but let's rehearse it. He had stripped himself of all of his Godhead powers. Remember? In other words, he functioned as a man, but a man filled with the Holy Spirit. But he had stripped himself. He was fully and totally reliant upon the Holy Spirit. I said he was fully, totally reliant. And because of that, he could see in both realms. So he didn't just see what was happening here. He saw what was behind it. That's what wisdom is. Remember the Greek word for wisdom was Sophia. It means the big picture. And see, Satan's job is to get us to limit our vision to what's right in front of us what's immediately something that has our attention as opposed to seeing the greater picture and what's behind it, what's beyond it, what's over here, what's everywhere. We, God wants to give us the big picture, but it says if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. you got to ask. I, don't you love that verse? Let him ask who God, who giveth to all men liberally without fault finding, without begrudging. He won't say, well, I'm not, I was going to, I would do this, but now, you know, you're too ugly. No, yeah, yeah, thank God. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be in big trouble. But no, but I mean, really catch it. Who giveth to all men liberally. He wants to give you wisdom, understanding, 
and knowledge that sets you apart from all others. Because, and of course, like, let me go back again, Daniel, whatever. But character is important. Why? So that you can brag on yourself? Of course not. Again, the issue does always come down to the heart motive. I want my God to be seen. I want my God to be glorified through me. I really do. I want my Father to be glorified through me. I really do. I want God to be glorified through all of you. I really, really do. And see, there's something that, like, again, a switch is turned on. Something shifts when that actually does happen. It helps every area of your prayer life when you actually realize, you know, I want prayers answered because... Because it, you know, not because of the comfort it will bring me, but to see, like even with Julie, you know, with my wife, with what she's going through, you know, I, I've had to deal with this for so many days, and just it's because I, I know how greatly, my Father's name will be glorified when she jumps up out of that bed. I mean, honestly, do you realize how many people? You know, thousands of people are praying for her. I had, a, I was really blessed yesterday. Rick Joyner contacted me. Beautiful, long stuff telling me he just heard about something going on with us. What can I do for you? Blah, blah, blah. Wrote me the kindest stuff and asked me for your details. I sent it back to me. Ian won't be back instantly saying, man, whatever you want, I'll be here. I'll do it for you. Said, I've got a couple that really are powerful and healing that live just outside London. I'll get them if you'd like them to come. Well, just that. But I mean, I was humbled by it because, you know, Rick is an incredible man of God. And I was just moved by the fact that he reached out to me like he did. But the point is, when Julie arises as the daughter of Zion that she is, you see, seriously, not just this group, God's name will be glorified. But see, is that any different from his name being glorified in you when God does something for you that only God can do? See, the issue, you got to get beyond what you can do. This ain't about what you and I can do. Really, now you got to catch this. You need to know your limitations, but you don't need to back off because of knowing your limitations. You need to just rejoice, say, thank God this is where God takes over. Yeah. You know, you stretch yourself out to the point you go, well, you know, like, oh, Dad Hagen, you say years ago, if you want to really see faith work, he said, get your, crawl out on a limb of a tree. He said, crawl out so far that you can't go any further. And he said, cut the limb off behind you. So then you'll find out what faith is like. <laughs> dependency. Yes. But a glorious, a joyful, a blessed dependency. I trust you. I trust you. I ask you, grant me wisdom. And how, you know, he, Jesus, I always love this verse too in the gospel. It says, I will teach you how to go in and go out and find green pasture. Think about it. He said, I, if you'll listen to him, I'll teach you how to go into a situation. I remember teaching that to a couple of guys when I was back in America that were in stocks and bonds. And I said, you know, trust God for this. I said, trust God. Listen, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you how to go in and when to come out, when to go in and when to invest, when to pull out. And uh, I, well, I got here in London, too. The, well, it used to be big in one of the banks in the city, but now he's building homes all over the place for d distressed people. It's credible. I don't want to call his name. But an incredible man of God. Anyhow, he, was, he came to me once and said, I, I feel like I need to quit. 
I, you've heard this kind of story before. I feel like, you know, I really feel the call of God in ministry, and I feel like I need to quit my job and do this. And the Lord told me to do, to you know, and you've heard me share something like this before. I said, well, wait a second. I said, you know, how, look at how God blesses you with finances, the way you work, the way you give to missions, the way you do all this stuff. I said, instead of, why does so many people, I said, I'm going to call his name Charlie. I said, so many people think it has to be either or. I said, why can't it be both? So why don't you ask God to give you the opportunity to not only keep making the money that you're making because of what you do, because of how generous you are, and at the same time be able to minister and do the things you want to do in ministry. And he said, I never really ever thought about that. And I said, well, pray about it and just see what God will do. And so he said, well, we pray with us. So I prayed with him. And in about three or four months, he wound up going to, his, to the major, the head of this gigantic bank, I mean, big, big bank, and uh, to the, the guy came over from Hong Kong, and he went to meet this guy. Long story short, told him what he wanted to do, and the guy looked at him and smiled and said, you know what? He said, you're a good man, aren't you? He said, well, I try to be. Long story short, he doubled his salary and shortened his week by a half. <laughs> so the other half of the week, the other half of the week, he gave himself fully to what he wanted to do, building all these homes for distressed people and starting up these, these uh, things that are all over the Britain and Europe now and uh, had more money than he had before. But it's because he believed God. God wants to bless you. Ask for this wisdom. Now let me keep going, like I said. Jesus could see both realms. The eyes of our spirit man must be enlightened, Ephesians 1. Again, that's what Dad Hagen used to tell us over and over again. He said he used to pray it when he first started five, six times a day. Father, grant me your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see what is the hope of my calling. What is your calling? What is the hope of your calling in Christ, though? Not just in your own skill. That I might see what is the hope of my calling and what is the greatness of your power toward us that is according to the same power that you exercised in Christ when you raised him from the dead. What does it mean to have resurrection power in me that I can apply to whatever I apply myself to? Christ in me, the hope of him being glorified. The eyes of our spirit must be enlightened. This comes through studying God's word. Revelation comes because you begin to see what you can't see naturally. I said you begin to see. See, that's what happens. He begins to give vision, insight. You begin to see something others don't see. Others, this is why you learn also in those stages you don't talk to a lot of people about it because they will think you're silly or crazy mm -hmm. or both. But see, some of us see things others don't see. And, and part of maturity in that is that, like I just said, often you'll learn in the early days just you know not to share it with everybody because, again, sometimes it's so deeply personal. God just wants you to allow it to... He, he, needs, it to he needs to let it cultivate it in your own spirit. So this is the working of the anointing, and this is the whole thing. The anointing can give us skill and intelligence. Do you believe that? Yes. 
It's the anointing. Then Daniel 9, 22, if you want to throw this one up as well. Gabriel, again, comes from God, and it says he comes to give Daniel even more skill and understanding. And again, I'm saying this because Father wants us to seek this. So here's Daniel 9, 21, 22. I'm sorry, 9, 21, 22. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, this man Gabriel, so Daniel, again, we all know he's a man of prayer. <sighs> while I was speaking in prayer, Gabriel, <clears throat> hallelujah, whom I had seen in the former vision, being caused to fly swiftly, came near to me and touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me, an angel instructed him. Do you believe an angel can instruct you? They want to. I said they want to. Remember God's no respecter of persons? That's got to be more than a scripture you can easily quote. I said, that's got to be more than a scripture you can easily quote. We are supposed to believe in the ministry of angels. Just because, you you know, they are here. I said, you know, it's easy to say that and try to be melodramatic, but they are here with no melodrama intended. They are here. They're with us now in this room. There are angels all over the place. You might be sitting next to one. We don't know. You know, that's what the Bible says. Sometimes you just don't know. I don't know. But he instructed me and made me understand. Think about that. An angel. God sent an angel because Daniel was in prayer. What happens to us sometimes when we're in prayer? Sometimes we don't even know. But that's why you need to learn to have acute hearing when you pray. because of the things that can be said to you. He instructed me and made me understand. He talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and wisdom and understanding. Again, he already said he was ten times more. <laughs> Think about it. He's already ten times more wise than anybody else in the whole world, basically. But his faithfulness causes the angel Gabriel, the messenger angel, to come and say, I'm going to give you more skill and understanding. You know, there's no end. I said there's no end. I'm going to say it again. There's no end to the skill and the wisdom and the understanding God will give you if you are open and if, you have, if you're tuned in. You know the old truth about the Holy Ghost, like I said, is the anointing. When we teach on the Holy Spirit, remember those verses in Corinthians, verses in Romans where it talks about the Holy Spirit, well, I'm sorry, in the book of John, what am I talking where Jesus said, you know, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will reveal, disclose, transmit. And when I, you know, this is the greatest thing to teach on because, again, transmit, and, you know, we talk about the signals. There's transmission towers, remember the whole thing, and there's television signals, and there's pictures in the air right here, aren't there? There's pictures, television pictures right here in the room. There's radio sound in the room. Um, but you don't see them or hear them because you need a receiver. It's so basic, but it's so powerful. And so we're, we're supposed to be receivers. But like with the television, you have to tune a little bit sometimes. And that's what life is all about in Christ. We tune ourselves and we start hearing what others don't hear. 
if we're at, if we stick with it, we start to see sometimes. We can see things others don't see. But it's because I want it. I don't want it to say, look how cool I am. I actually want the blessing of God on my life, but I want it because I finally understood why. That's what you've heard me say now for weeks. That's why God has me so crying out for miracles and signs and wonders because it was so simple, but I finally just twigged. It's not that I didn't know it before. It's just that I didn't feel this, the impetus like I do now. I, that's what's going to bring the loss. I, like I said, I kept seeing people going to hell, and I kept reading all the scriptures about the horrific, the wrath of God, what's actually... What's going to happen to the people that don't know Jesus? I mean, my, it's yeah. horrific. You know, to think that all these people that are so proud and haughty and they think they're so cool, they're going to bust hell wide open. And it just freaks me out. And I've been, like I said, for the last seven, eight months, and I keep seeing this, and I go, and I actually have been shuddering. And, and that's when he just kept saying, you need miracles, signs, and wonders. That's what I brought him for. They're signs. They point to me. I bring it. That's what will bring them in. So he said, do you have not? Because yes, start crying out. So I'm crying out. And that's what I want everybody at church to do. Keep crying out for signs and wonders and miracles. Because we know why. Not just so we can say, wow, that church has healing in it. No, no, no. It's, see, it's so beyond that. See, because really, you remember when you study the book of Acts, really the miracles and signs and wonders didn't happen in the church. They happened outside in the streets. So that means you guys hear this, then you go outside. You go outside. That's where they happen. But that's what causes the people to come, because then they need to be taught, discipled. But see, every one of us outside is where the Holy Ghost will really work. So it will really work. A word in due season, a word in knowledge, a word of wisdom, bam, all of a sudden. We've, some of us have had it happen, already happen. Well, we just have. Oh, my goodness. Now, then there's this statement. And Job, uh, do you have the message, John? The message, Job, chapter 32, verses 6 to 10. This is towards the end. This is after Job's three comforters kind of shut up. And Elihu, I love Elihu, the young man. Towards the end, he's cool. Elihu. Uh, anyhow, this is the message. Listen to this. I, uh, the Lord saw this. See, the thing is the world has experts, Right. The world wants you to listen to all of its experts. That's why that news media, which is owned by the devil, basically brings all the world's experts because they want you to listen to the world's experts. But God will give expertise 10 times more than the world has. You hear me? So this is what, this is verse 6, Job 32, 6. This is what, in the message, this is what Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite, said. Now, I'm a young man, and you're all old and experienced. That's why I kept quiet and held back from joining the discussion. I kept thinking, experience will tell. The longer you live, the wiser you become, just supposed to. But I see I was wrong. It's, listen to this, it's God's spirit. It's God's spirit in a person. The breath of the Almighty One that makes wise human insight possible. The experts have no corner on wisdom. Amen. Getting old does not guarantee good sense. So I've decided to speak up. Listen well, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Hallelujah. I mean, it's a sudden. The Spirit of God, he said in the Amplified, it says there's a vital force in man. The Spirit of God, see. He said, you know, I, you know, the world has these experts, but he said they don't know zip when it comes to God Almighty. 
Now here, here another is another classic verse about this that we teach when we when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's First Corinthians. This is the Amplified, First Corinthians, chapter two, verses nine through twelve. Okay. I thought this was going to be short. Of course, that's what Deji said last week. <laughs> uh, he said, "I know this is going to be short." It was what ninety-five hundred minutes, man. But boy, was it good. It was rich. First Corinthians chapter two, verses nine through twelve. But on the contrary, now listen to what he says. No, I see again, I know you know this, but you don't know it. But we do know it, but you don't know it, but we need to know it. Everybody pat your tummy. Just do this for me. Just I know you're thinking I'm silly. Where's the Holy Spirit? Jesus said what? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit. But those who received him should receive, right? But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard, in other words, what natural vision, what natural senses can bring you. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed these things by and through his what? His spirit. Do you have his spirit? For the Holy Spirit, just really act like you've not read it before. What does he do? The one that's on the inside of you. And like I, every time I talk about the Holy Spirit, you hear me say this every time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep. The same spirit that created the heavens and the earth from nothing. That's the spirit we're talking about that's in you. The guy that's in the spirit that's inside of us has been there from the beginning. There's nothing he has not seen. There's nothing he does not know. He's in us. That blows my mind. It does. I don't care if my voice does get squeaky. (laughs) (laughs) For the Holy Spirit searches, searches. See, what's, what's the issue with you? You don't know what to do. Well, he does. He does. He searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and the bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond a man's scrutiny, beyond a man's ability to see. See, there comes a point where you can't see any further, but he can. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? Just so, just like that, no one discerns and comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Amen? Is that true? Yeah. But look what he said. Now listen, then, but now listen, guys. He said, no, we have not received. We have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but we've received the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us. Why? That we might realize, that we might comprehend, that we might appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing that have been so freely and lavishly 
I love lavish. The word lavish is a cool word. Lavished and bestowed upon us by God. Man, this is why we were saying on Wednesday night, we talked about, Deji said it first, and we say all the time, but you know, this Holy Spirit is our helper. We ask him to help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. But say it and help me right now. I, you can help me solve this problem. You know why? Because I'm bigger. I want you to think about this. If God's in you, I don't care what, like, forgive me, DeAndre and Pat just came in, and DeAndre was talking to me about something the other day about he's got this uh, more or less new position with the bank that he's with now. And he said, that, you know, he's got this, he said what they're asking of him to do is quite large. I don't, won't go, can't go into detail, won't go into detail because I don't know the detail. <laughs> Basically, but, you know, I prayed with him, Deji's prayed with him and stuff like that. But I said, you see, the thing is, and one, one thing I meant to say to DeAndre that I didn't, but I'm saying it to him now because he's standing back there. You know what you have to do when you see things like that, like what DeAndre's faced with or what you're faced with? Look at, you need to look at whatever it is like even write down, a, write a word down that represents the issue, the problem, whatever it is, and go, you know what? Father, are you in me? Yeah. Then you know what? Bless God, I'm bigger than this. Now, that's a simple, simple, but I'm telling you, you need to look at it and say, I'm bigger than this. You see, they say my wife has vascular Parkinson's. You know what? I'm bigger than that. I am. Julie is. Spirit of God's still in my wife, big time. So I'm bigger than this. You're bigger than this. Hell's job is to, his, hell's job is to make you smaller. But you've got to have this attitude. You know what? I'm bigger than this. I don't care what comes to me because of who, who's with me. You see, the issue is not, remember, all through the, the battles in the Old Testament? It's because he said, I'm not doing this because you're righteous. I'm doing this because you're, you know, you're stubborn. I'm doing this for my namesake. He said, I'm bigger than this. All you need to do is be with me. I love that, man. To me, I love that because it's, it's not dependent on how super good I am. It's just my revelation and my determination, my understanding that he's with me. He's with me. Know this, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, even to the end of the earth. I'm never leaving you, man. I'm never leaving you. I don't care how ugly you get. God's never leaving you. Seriously. He's never going to leave you because his love is beyond human comprehension. But see, you've got to start saying this. I'm bigger than this. This exam, I'm bigger than this because God's for me. This job assignment, I'm bigger than this. Not only am I bigger than this, God's going to give me knowledge of things that this place has never seen before. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a man outstanding in this field. I am going to excel in all matters of wisdom and understanding in this area. Then they're going to ask me why, and I get to tell them. Well, it's because of this Bible, this book I read. That's what we're going to read about George Washington Carver in just a second. Universities can indeed help you with much wisdom and understanding, but God can give you knowledge 10 times greater to you any time to you through impartation, not education. That way no one can ever credit to anyone but God. Now, like I said, when I started looking at this, I don't know what God brought up into my thinking again. Um, George, I mean, you know, George Washington Carver. 
And I, I look at his life again. Now, George Washington Carver, he was born in 1864 in Diamond, Missouri. So that living in this uh, white couple's home named Moses and Susan Carver. And they didn't believe in slavery, but they needed workers. So they hired uh, his father, his mother, uh, her mother's name was, his mother's name was Susan too, and uh, his sister and himself, you know, where they just, he brought them in and hired them to work the, to work the place with them. They had 240 acres. And, uh, and they raised him as their own son, what have you. And then in those days, because at the end of the war, a lot of Confederate raiders come through from Missouri and basically they kidnapped the, these people thinking they were slaves and they took them into Kentucky and whatever, but Moses Carver and Susan Carver so loved these people, they hired neighbors to go and to find Carver and his mother and what have you. They couldn't, they never found his mother, but they found him. He was an eight month old baby and they found him and they, he purchased him by giving him, by giving this, these raiders his uh, finest horse. And they bring him back and they bring him into his own family and they raise him and his son, their own son is the same age by that time and they raised them together. And he was a bit frail when he was young, what have you, his, uh, his white brother went ahead and worked in the fields and helped out, but Carver was a bit ill at times, and so his, 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 the stepmother, as it were, Susan Carver, taught him all kinds of things about her knowledge of herbs and embroidery and stuff. I mean, he did incredible paintings, he did embroidery, he did all kinds of stuff. But basically raised him up like that. And he had this incredible fondness for going out and trying to figure out things with soil or plants and stuff like that. I mean, from a young boy. He said he got saved. He said he figured he was up in a hayloft, he said, at the house. And he said he was uh, treading out some corn, shucking, shucking corn. And he said a little white boy was uh, helping him up there. And he said, the white boy said, have you ever been to Sunday school? And he said, what's Sunday school? And anyhow, long and short of it, he couldn't go to Sunday school because he was black. Not in those days, not that place. So anyhow, so the little boy told him about Jesus, and basically he said he told him about Jesus, and I said, I need this Jesus, don't I? And the little white boy said, yeah, you do. And he said, I, I, I asked Jesus to come to my life. He said, and I was 10 years old. And he said, from that moment forth, he said, I began to just live for him. I mean, it's so funny when you hear, when you read all the stuff, and you actually read the biography, and you read the statements that were made. But anyway, I've got a lot of information here, but let me just, I'm going to, there's so much. Can you, you, okay, you got him up here. Let me start here. Let me start in the text. Carver had something on him. Something, people said. I want to tell you why I'm going to get to this. Like I said, just bear with me. It's okay. It's, okay. it's only it's only 1.30, so we're going to <laughs> Carver had something on him, people said. He called his laboratory God's Little Workshop. Carver stated that no scientific textbooks ever go into my laboratory. He let no books in because he was determined to draw solely on the Spirit of God. He wanted the anointed to kick in based upon his demand on this anointing. Now I can, like I said, I could, there's so many stuff, you know, it would take me two days to read the stuff that I've read up on him really. But the thing is, he had actually, he studied, he went to this all-black school in Neosho, Missouri for a while, but then uh, the, the guy, a professor there said he was so good, you need to go, you need to study agriculture. So he said, you need to go to the University of Iowa. And so he went there and he got a master's in agriculture. And uh, the, everybody wanted to keep him on because the guy was just so sharp and so brilliant. What he really became the most known for is he changed the entire south of, of the states because there was so much cotton farming. The cotton 
all they did was plant cotton, and the cotton depleted the soil of all its nutrients. He's the guy that introduced crop rotation. Now, that's probably the greatest thing that he ever did. He said, you guys need to stop this, and you need to sow some crops. And he had all this insight and knowledge. But the thing is, I wish you could see it. He, when you read this stuff, it says, you know, he had all this information. He got, his, got all this degree in the University of Iowa. But he had this attitude, he said, but he would not allow anybody to bring any textbook into his laboratory. He said, no, no, no. He said, I want no natural force. He said, I only want the inspiration of my God and his spirit. He said that over and over again. Now, I mean, he said, but this dude was determined. But I mean, what happened afterwards? So he introduced, he said, what you need to do is he said, try planting peanuts or soybeans. So they started planting peanuts after this, and the planted peanuts caused the soil to be replenished with the right nutrients, and soybeans, what have you, and then they'd plant cotton, and they had better yields of cotton they never had before. But it created a problem. They had so many peanuts, they didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> Honestly, the farmers started saying, what do we do with all these peanuts? Because peanuts were not a big popular thing at the time. What do you do with all these peanuts and all these soybeans? Aha, the Spirit of God. And you, some of you probably know some of it, but let me just keep reading. Uh, let me read the first thing again. Carver stated that no scientific textbooks ever go into my laboratory. He let no books be in because he was determined to draw solely on the Spirit of God. That's what he's trying to get us to. How desperate are we for heaven's information? Because it's there. Ten times more than the world has. Tons more than the experts tell you they have. Universities that are cool, but you can only go so far with the world system. You can only go so far with the world system. But boy, when you start asking and you and he sees that you really want him to teach you, he's got the solutions no one else does, man. I mean, he really does. If we say we're believers in Christ Jesus, we kind of need to believe that. Now watch. He discovered from the peanut over 300 products, from the sweet potatoes over 118. I'm leaving. You know, like I said, we could. I could read a billion. Times. He discovered from the peanut over a peanut, over 300 products, from the sweet potatoes over 118, as well as the soybean, cosmetics, face creams, powders. Men's shaving cream, vinegar, printing ink, salad oil, rubbing oils, instant coffee, all of this stuff. Out of a peanut, man. Because he'd go in this laboratory every day. Father, what else can we do with this? He said he'd listen and God would talk to him. Try this. Try that. Now, like I said, now you got to understand. This is at a time when, the, forgive me, well, you know, many of us, many of us in here are black. Yeah, and I say us because we're all one people. This is the black man at the time when, you know, it's just in the natural, it's not cool to be black. It's just not. You know what I mean? But God had this guy in his hand. And more importantly, he had God in his heart. Now watch. So major industry and universities, I mean, they started to hear about this guy's wisdom, this insight. Major industry and universities tried to get him to come to them. But he said, I can't leave my calling. He knew he was called to the South and called to his own people. 
He wanted the farmers there and wanted Happy to be good. It's amazing. Henry Ford, you heard of Henry Ford? Henry Ford desperately, there's pictures of him and Ford together. Ford would come down often and say, I want you to come to Detroit. Join me. Join this. Join this. You'll be taken care of forever and what have you. No, he said, Henry, I can't do it. He said, I'm called here. He said, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to help my people. And he said, I want to help the farmers. I want to help this, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, you know, all the, and they knew this guy had something nobody else had. Ford would look at him. It says Ford would look at him and say, where do you get this? And he'd look at him and smile and say, I've got a book. <laughs> That's what he said. That was his answer. Watch this. Major universities, major industry and universities tried to get him to come to them, but he said, I can't leave my calling. In 1921, he's asked to go to Washington, D.C. by invitation of the United States Ways and Means Committee and was asked to get up and explain what he was doing in 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, the chairman said, Dr. Carver, take all the time you want. <laughs> they asked him, how do you know all these things? He said, because of an old book called the Bible. They said, the Bible doesn't say anything about a peanut. Carver said, yeah, but the Bible does say a lot about the God who made the peanut. I asked him what to do with the peanut, and he told me. Carver's life showed godly insights, such a simple statement. God's, Carver's open statements that he sought guidance from God and heard his answers were often quietly ridiculed. Carver quote, he quoted this, my attitude towards life was also my attitude towards science. Jesus said, one must be born again, must become as the little child. He must let no laziness, no fear, no stubbornness keep him from his duty. If he were born again, he would see life from such a plane. He would have the energy not to be impeded in his duty by these various side trackers and inhibitions. I do not feel capable of writing a single word of counsel to those dear young people more than to say that my heart goes out to every one of them regardless of the fact that I have never seen them and may never do so. I want them to find Jesus and make him a daily, hourly, momently part of themselves. Oh, how I want them to get the fullest measure of happiness and success out of life. I want them to see the great creator and the smallest and apparently the most insignificant things about them. How long, how I long for each one to walk and to talk with the great creator through the things he has created. How I thank God every day that I can walk and talk with him. Carver once said, the Lord has guided me. Sorry, let me just do something here real quick. Carver once said, the Lord has guided me. He has shown me the way, just as he will show everyone who turns to him. Carver never was ashamed to express his faith. For example, in 1924, a reporter for the New York Times criticizing Carver, criticized Carver for mentioning that God was the inspiration for scientific, scientific discoveries with the headline, Men of Science Never Talk That Way. In a verbal rebuttal, Carver called it a gross misunderstanding of his use of the phrase divine inspiration, saying, Inspiration is never at variance with information. In fact, the more information the one has, the greater will be the inspiration. Carver then separated himself from scientists to whom the world is merely the result of chemical forces or material electrons. He has noted as frequently saying throughout his life that faith in Jesus Christ was the only mechanism by which I could effectively pursue and perform the art of science. And the Lord has guided me, and without my Savior, I'm nothing. Here's Carver's statement as, by, as regards to faith. 
As a very small boy exploring the almost virgin woods of the old Carver Place there in Missouri, I had the impression someone had just been there ahead of me. Things were so orderly, so clean. He's in the woods. That's how I grew up, in the woods. I, that's, you know, I, I love it. He said, I had the impression someone had just been there ahead of me. Things are so orderly, so clean, so harmoniously beautiful. A few years later in the same woods, I was to understand the meaning of this boy's impression because I was practically overwhelmed with the sense of some great presence. Not only had someone been there, someone was there. Years later, when I read the scriptures in him, we live and move and have our being, I knew what the writer meant. Never since have I been without this consciousness of the Creator speaking to me. Man who needed a purpose, a mission to keep him alive had one. He could be God's co-worker. My attitude towards life was also my attitude towards science. Jesus said one must be born again, must become as a little child. He must let no laziness, no fear, no stubbornness keep him from his duty. If he were born again, he would see life from such a plane that he would have the energy not to impede it in his duty by these various sidetrackers and ambitions. My work, my life must be in the spirit of a little child seeking only to know the truth and follow it. My purpose alone must be God's purpose to increase the welfare and happiness of his people. Nature will not permit a vacuum. It will be filled with something. Human need is really a great spiritual vacuum which God seeks to fill. With one hand in the hand of a fellow man in need and the other in the hand of Christ, he could get across the vacuum and I became an agent. Then the passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, came to have real meaning. As I worked on projects which fulfilled a real human need, forces were working through me which amazed me. I would often go to sleep with an apparently insoluble problem. When I awoke, the answer was there. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, the things that I didn't say, well, let me, I'll just keep reading because they're a good time. Why then, I just said, why then should we who believe in Christ, oh, I'm sorry, this is still him speaking. Why then should we who believe in Christ be so surprised at what God can do with a willing man in a laboratory? What can God do with a willing person in the post office? That's for Tommy. <laughs> what can God do for a willing young man to study in medicine? What can God do for a willing young lady who already has a doctorate of great science? What can God do in Deji? Deji hasn't arrived yet. None of us have arrived. What can God do in Bola? What can God do in Dom, Karen, Mike, Deborah? What can God do in John and Victor and Margaret? I could call all your names. Even Des. <laughs> Anna, too. But, but see, I don't mean to make light, but you hear what I'm trying to say. I study guys like this because, yeah, I get inspired. But what do I get inspired toward? My leaning on the Holy Ghost. God is no respecter of persons. He searches everything. He wants, he wants, he longs to show you stuff that others can't see. As long as you want his father's name to be glorified, that's all that, that's the only thing you need. That's the only thing you need. I want my God to be glorified. 
Why should we be surprised at what God, God can do with a willing man or woman in the classroom, the boardroom, the halls of state, or any other sphere where God is leading us to make a difference? George often talked about God as the creator, she said. This is from, a, I forget, uh, any enemy. And from a very early age, God, George was always very involved in nature his whole life. He took a walk every day before sunrise, collected specimens of plants, rocks, insects. He would pray at the same time. So his whole experience of God was intertwined with the experience of nature. Imagine observing everything you come in contact with day by day. Everything. Imagine right now, every one of you, observing everything that you look or come in contact with today and asking God, what can I do with this? As a result of that wisdom, Booker T. Washington started Tuskegee Institute, which became now still around Tuskegee you know, University there in Alabama. That this is the trip. Now think, he was the most respected, Carter was the most respected teacher there. And it's funny because Carter hated teaching. He wanted to be in the fields. But Booker wanted him teaching. But then Booker T. Washington dies in 1915. And the new chancellor of, of the institute actually sets him free from teaching except for summer school. And he gets to go out and they create this little field laboratory and stuff. And it's an incredible thing to watch. But this is the thing that struck me. So this is an all-black university now, an all-black institute, Tuskegee, right? All-black institute, quite small. Started like he, Booker started, it was started in a small little shanty church there in Alabama. It started in 18, Washington started Tuskegee Institute in 1881 with nothing. But in 19, now listen to this, listen to this. Have you ever heard of Harvard, Princeton, yeah, yeah. Yale, yeah. Oxford? Cambridge? You ever heard of that? Listen to this. George Washington Carver being the teacher and what he carried, the students under him, now listen to this, the students under him at Tuskegee, when Carver was there, the ones that sat under his teaching and his spirit, Tuskegee produced more multimillionaires than Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Oxford, Cambridge combined. Don't wait, did you hear that? Yes. A black university that's still under all this kind of pressure produced more multimillionaires than all the major big time, big name universities in the world did. Time and time over. Why? Why did so many millionaires come out of that? Because they sat under a man. Yeah. He carried something with him that affected everybody that sat under him. And it was his determination to be led by the Holy Ghost. So that's my message today. I... I, I want us, yeah, well, truly glory go to God. But I, you see, what, why, why, why do I share this? Why? Because God is not a respecter. He will not do for one what he would not do for another when similar conditions are met. So it does, it does come back to how determined am I? You know, how hungry am I? But with no condemnation, see, the issue is not nobody to get condemned. It's just 
you need to first say it's available. You need to at least say yes and amen. This is available. The devil wants you to look at your past or just see failure. He wants you to focus on weakness or focus on one you can't. Well, listen, just fess up. Like I said, agree. Jesus said, agree quickly with your adversary. Say, you're absolutely right. I'm weak here. I'm weak there. You're right. But I'm not weak in Christ. I'm hid in him. And in him, I can do all things. And it's on him I lean. Father, I ask you for your wisdom. Father, right now, I thank you for an outpouring of wisdom upon our people that is beyond their deepest imagination. Those who will receive it. Because you can reject the blessing. I know that from my years of seeing things. People can reject it when it's available. But Father, I pray that everyone in this room right now has a heart open to receive the depths of your wisdom that they have an increase of hunger for you come upon them in a mighty, mighty way. I can't do that. Only you can do that, Father. But that something clicks, something simply transpires by the power of your spirit right now in this room. Something transpires. Something where they shift gears and they go, that's it. I'm heading for God. I'm moving with the Holy Ghost. I will be led by the Spirit of God. I will be led by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, I depend on no fleshly skill. I depend on no fleshly talent. I depend on no fleshly power. Holy Ghost, I depend on you. Holy Ghost, come. Fill my house, fill my life, fill my heart, fill my body, fill my mind. Grant me wisdom from heaven. Grant me insight from heaven. Thank you that you help me solve every problem that comes to me. But I fully expect by virtue, it says in Psalms over and over again, I come to you on the authority, on the right of my necessity, and on the authority of your word. Now, I like that. On the right of my I come to you on the right of my necessity, and on the authority of your word. And I say, Father, let us believe. We believe you for 10 times the wisdom. 10 times the wisdom of all the worldly wisdom around us. I don't care what position they hold, what job they hold. It makes no difference. You will glorify your name in every single one of them as they yield to you. Come, Spirit of God. Grant us overwhelming insight and solutions. You're the one who searches it out. We will tune into you. Our receivers are open to receive in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We receive wisdom from on high. We receive the solutions to every single issue or problem. You are a solution giver. We will not bow down to a problem or bow down to something that looks like defeat. You always lead us into victory by Christ Jesus. Oh, just pray in tongues for a minute with me. You said you would restore us to one language. What a powerful thing. Spirit of the living God, flood these people, flood this people, change them from here forth forever. Musical talent, writing talent, 
merchandise talent, banking talent. I don't care. You don't care. All you want is somebody to say, we are asking you. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. Guide us in the knowledge of witty inventions. That's where millionaires come from. One thought, one idea, born by the Spirit of God. One solution that changes everything. Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Why not me? Why not me? I dare you to say that. Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? I'm ready. I'll take it. I'll take it. I want it. I want the ability to administer more and more of your Holy Ghost, Father. Rapra dedi krati mavro konda dechte teli de began double satala brataraba. Come with those anointings, Holy Ghost. Burden breaking anointings. Burden breaking anointings. Burden breaking anointings. Shibrata I ex oh yeah. Hallelujah. Father, we expect breakout power. I don't know what other word to use. In our thinking and our creativity. Do you understand how this works when it comes to being creative? Oh my goodness. Father, we receive, I mean, an overwhelming outpouring of your creative, creative spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are in me. The great creator is part of my life. I know it sounds silly, but you've not lost your power to create. You're always creating. You're always, you say, behold, I do a brand new thing. Thank you for brand new things. Thank you, Father, for doing brand new. And if it's from heaven, it's only a good thing. Thank you for brand new ways of doing things. Brand new ways. We receive brand new ways. We receive brand new inventions. We receive brand new solutions. Brand new songs. Brand new books. Brand new topics. Brand new projects. Brand new. Authored by heaven. Structured by heaven. Anointed by heaven. Advertised by heaven. Promoted by heaven. Hallelujah. 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 God, if God be for us, if God be for us, is God for us? Is God for us? Yeah. I believe. As for me and my house, we believe. You're a God of miracles, signs, and wonders, and they come in all shapes and sizes and forms. I'm so serious, Father. I'm so grateful. I thank you for flat-out, wonder-working miracles in the lives of many of our people here who have the boldness to receive it, who have the compassion, who have the humility to receive and say, Be it unto me. Be it done unto me, according to thy word. Be it done unto me. If you can do this to a boy born in slavery, Father, you can do this for anybody. Oh, thank you, Father. No textbook, but the book. We choose this book. We choose this book, your word, this truth. 
Oh, we'll look at the other stuff, but nothing, but nothing we will allow to surpass our thinking greater than your thinking. You alone are God. You alone. You alone. You alone. You alone. I said you alone. You alone are God. There be no other gods but you. There be no other gods but you. You said there'd be no other gods. I know not any of that. It always makes me laugh. You said if there was another God, I would know about it. But you said there's no other gods. I mean, that's, that makes me laugh. I love that. Thank you, Father. We are the head and not the tail. You want the world to look at us and say, look at the God they serve. Look at the God they serve. What other people is like this people? That's exactly what it says. You know the verse. What other people is like this people who have a God so near to them when they call upon him? You're not only near to us, you're in us. Your spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the same spirit. Oh, Rabbi Khan, no wonder you said to fellowship, to commune, learn how to commune with you, Holy Ghost. How to talk to you and say, thank you. I receive you as my helper. We receive you as my strengthener. We receive you as my advocate. We receive you as my intercessor. We receive you as my helper. We receive you as the one that's always at the ready. It says stand by, but it means to be. He's always at the ready to help us. So we give you permission to correct us. We give you permission to instruct us. We give you permission to guide us into the truth you want us to see. Individually and even as a church, we yield ourselves to you. No other spirit will usurp his authority over us. And No, we've made our choice. We choose Christ. We choose God. We choose the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us. Just soak for a moment. Deji, I've changed my mind. We'll do that another time with you. There's just This is not the place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Truly, just in your own way, just say, I receive. Just however you want to do it, quietly out loud. Holy Spirit, I love your oil. Like we always say, you don't have to feed it, but it's like some I've heard other guys say it is. Sometimes it is like just a warm honey. And glory to God, I can feel that right now. And I just, so forgive me if I just enjoy myself for a moment. I love you, Father. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I thank you. You've blessed me. You've healed me. You've healed my wife. You've healed us all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm not a good singer, but let's just sing Jesus. Jesus, 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 
there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Yeah. The name. You ask us why this man stands whole in the presence of you all, being known unto you that through the name, through faith in the name, doth this man stand in your presence whole. Faith in the name. Faith in the name. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 